Okay, on this this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, we're going to break down a little bit about the future of BYU football. We're going to talk about some of the things that this team can get from coming out of this season, the experience they had at the University of Utah, a heart-breaking loss there, but there were some positive things that happened. We'll talk about the continuity of BYU's football program under Coach Kalani Sataki. Uh, is he on the hot seat? Should he be on the hot seat? And if he is, uh, what, what impact could that have if they, they ended up uh, letting him go? We'll talk about that. And a lot of other topics here on the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, along with the beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming from you to you from Thanksgiving Point, where we're talking BYU sports. This podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. You can get ticket information at, uh, at saltlakestallions.com. And, uh, guys, we, we witnessed a, one of the more interesting games in the rivalry, something that I don't think that I expected. A lot of people did not expect. And the way it ended, of course, it kind of ripped the hearts out of a lot of BYU BYU fans, it had to really hurt this team. The coaching staff, very disappointing, but credit to Utes. They came back. They came screaming back. They came back very hard. But uh, uh, there are some things that you saw in that game that are probably pretty positive for BYU. I guess I would ask the question, if you were to buy stock in BYU's football program, would it be something you would buy or something you'd turn down? Is it going up or is it going down? What What is the stock of BYU football right now, Jeff Call? you got to buy and, I, and one of the reasons why I say that is because uh, of your quarterback. I mean, Zach Wilson, I mean, take away the fact that he's a true freshman. He's 19 years old. I mean, here's a kid. I haven't seen a BYU quarterback play with that much confidence and make that many plays in a long time. And again, keeping it, putting it, keeping it in perspective that how young he is, his first chance of playing this rivalry game, and the way he was able to make plays with his feet, extend plays, and he was, the way he's throwing the ball with confidence – I think that bodes well for BYU's future. I mean, he is the future of BYU football right there. Jeff, I, you know, and you've heard me say this many, many times, the thing that makes BYU good, the things that make them tick, the things that gets them to defeat the University of Utah is to have a quarterback that makes plays, that is a finesse playmaker that throws the ball, doesn't do it with his legs necessarily all the time like we've seen some guys like Riley Nelson and Taysom Hill do and, and, and not and not win, but we you've got to be able to throw the ball. He threw two touchdown passes that were pretty remarkable. He had other passes that were pretty uh, pretty good. I mean, BYU's got a good future with, with Zach Wilson. It really does. Yeah, and you know, I, I talked to Zach the Monday before the game, and he was he was very confident, and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, does he really know what he's in for? Does he really? I know he's spent his life going to those games, but being on the other side of it, being on the field in that rivalry, that stage, that big stage, is he really ready for that experience? And I got to tell you, I mean, especially that first half, he looked like he belonged there. He looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. There was no fear, and um, just totally impressive. And one other thing I will mention too, and. You're looking ahead to the future, but I think the performance by Corbin Kafusi, a guy that we all thought was was done because we were told he was done, for him to throw it all on the line and to give it his all, I mean, literally, he's got body parts hanging there, you know? He's out there just to play in this BYU-Utah game. What I think could happen, one of the benefits that could happen from this, is I think those younger players will look at that and say, this is what is required to, to be a winning football team. This is what's required to beat Utah. You've got to put it all out there. And 
you wonder if maybe that example that Corbin set for those guys will linger in their minds throughout the offseason and they will remember what he gave to this program and that these guys will think that's what we need to do. Brandon Gurney, um, the collapse will be remembered. It's very painful for BYU fans. A lot of second guessing of what happened with play calling and uh, you know there's some injuries, real key injuries in the second half to some people. Matt, ha- Matt Hadley was having a great game. Uh, Isaiah Kafusi had a tremendous uh, impact on that game. He was not there towards the end. Um, but by stock in BYU football or sell stock in BYU football? Um, for the reasons Jeff stated, which is the biggest reason the quarterback, but I'd also add just the other position groups. You're looking at an offensive line that returns everyone, full of sophomores and freshmen. Absolutely going to get better. Um, the, the skill position, I still think they need more bodies on the outside. Tight end, all back, running backs, pretty much back except Squally Canada, who you, you weren't with for most of the year anyway. Um, yeah. And, and you throw in that in an, an offensive staff, I, I don't care who you are. That first year as an offensive staff, you're going to have growing pains. You're going to have moments that's just like where, where you're not doing the right thing. Well, I, I strongly believe that Grimes is the guy. I think he has a very good head on his shoulders, a very good vision of what this offense needs to be, and I think he's going to prove to be a very good offensive coordinator in time. I I believe I, – I, I just like his demeanor. I like his composure. I, I like – what I hear about just how he treats players, how, how he implements a system, it's all going to get better. And when you look at what he had to work with this year, it, it's kind of phenomenal that he was able to produce the results he did. Not phenomenal results by any means, but good results by and large. You take, you take the uh, two deep uh, that came out of fall uh, camp. And you look at that, and there were 11 players that were injured and either started or couldn't finish that game. As you compared in September with the starting lineup, there's 11. That's half the team is not out there playing at the end of that game. Um, we lost some early, lost some in the middle, lost some late. A guy like Corbin has been playing injured since Utah State. But what does it do now? They go to a game, uh, they go to a bowl game. They get those extra 14, 15 practices in, which is the equivalent of a spring practice. You have young players. Uh, they played a a lot of freshmen. Uh, you've got some other players that they could insert in and get them some playing time, Jeff Call. What does it mean for the future of the program to go to a bowl game and, um, and to have that experience in, in a few weeks? Yeah, it's huge, and you can't underestimate it because especially when you're in a position where you have so many young guys, like Brandon mentioned, that need the extra practice, that need the extra reps, and to have one more game, to have that time to prepare and I think it would uh, it would really benefit BYU if they had a bowl game that was a little bit later on the calendar so that they can get all those bowl practices in and take advantage of those because we've seen in the past uh, all those years that Bronco Mendenhall's teams, for example, went to bowl games. I mean, they benefited from those those practices and having those extra reps. And you've got to have those, especially in the BYU situation. Uh, just a brief statement from each of you. Uh, six and six with wins over Wisconsin. At the goal line against um, uh, Boise State. Um, in a field goal position if they hadn't thrown a pick six against Northern uh, Illinois. Um, had Utah on the ropes 27 to seven late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, has this team made progress over last year? Just a brief statement from each of you. Jeff first and then uh, Brandon. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not only the two more win or yeah, two more wins than last year, but the way they played, the way they battled. I mean, there was times last year when you just wondered if this team was ever going to get it together. They looked lost. They looked like there was no uh, identity. 
focus, but you have that this year. You see a direction, like Brandon mentioned with Jeff Grimes. He has a vision of where he wants his team to go. And so, uh, yeah, definitely a huge step forward for this program. Brandon? Yeah, how about uh, all the games we kind of predicted a lot of them wrong, but at the end of the day, we're right back to where most of us thought this team would be, which is at 6-6. Six and six. But I think it's probably even more positive than the 6-6 six and six we were envisioning prior to the season, just because they proved to be competitive in games we didn't think they could be competitive in. Uh, and, and win games, we didn't think they had any chance to to win. So, well, I, absolutely know, positive. I think you look at the defense. Last year, the defense, like the offense, struggled mightily. They they before going into the Utah game, they were ranked twenty third in the nation in total defense. They ended up eighteenth in the nation in total defense. Progress was made. I think they probably increased statistically in about everything that they had with a much diff, more difficult schedule. Uh, and so, you know, the, if you look at the numbers, this was an improved team, and its trajectory is really in a good direction right now. A lot of people, there are a lot of people on the internet, a lot of people on message boards that really are down on Kalani Sataki. But I would submit to you, with all of his flaws, he's growing as a coach. He's growing and he's he's learning lessons. He's made changes. He continues to grow. I, I think that if you made a change, his contract's up in a year, but if you made a change at this point, you get a shot maybe in recruiting. The, you, you take a shot in the political connections that he's trying to build with the administration, with the honor code office, with admissions. Uh, you have to have somebody start all over with those things. You bring in another coach that hasn't had the mistakes and the ups and downs and learning lessons that he's had, that he now has to learn those things. I don't know at this time, Jeff Call, if it's a if it's really a legitimate thing to expect that BYU is going to turn, uh, turn away from Kalani Sataki either right now or at the end the next season. I just don't know if the timing's right for that to happen. I, I, I think you'd be set back a little bit in what you're trying to do with BYU football. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kalani has had some you know, growing pains, and he's struggled in some areas. I mean, we saw that with, with Bronco, too, when he took over. I mean, there, there's a lot of things about this program that are unique, things you have to learn, things that you have to adapt to that you don't find in other coaching uh, positions around the country, I think. And and so, you know, you make the good point. I think you got to be all in on Kalani. You've made an investment. Uh, you went out during the offseason and brought in Jeff Grimes and paying the staff. At, you know, Tom Homo told us this is the most BYU's ever paid for coaches. And so you've got to give it time to let it uh, kind of blossom and grow from here. And there, there's good signs, like we said. And so you got to believe that uh, it's only going to get better from here. Brandon Gurney, you've seen him firsthand around recruits, the, his approach, uh, the way that he handles uh, uh, recruits. You've seen uh, at the poly camp <clears throat> the, the connections that he has. Uh, you see that uh, he interacts with a lot of Polynesian athletes in a certain way that's very valuable. It would be very valuable for the University of Utah to have him, be very valuable for Utah State to have him. But BYU has got him as a head coach. He's had his up and downs. But you take that away, I think you take a huge hit in the Polynesian community across this country. Oh, no question. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it could be immense. <laughs> you, you could see uh, just a tidal wave of transfers. I, 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 oh, yeah, I, I haven't even thought about that. But, yeah, the attrition would just be unbelievable. But um, the, the, the thing is, they got to beat Utah just one year. If they, I, I'm telling you, if they could just beat Utah and go in there, we now beat Utah, it would be enormous. And it was so close. <laughs> it's been so close right the last there. three years. Well, you think of how the perception of this season would have changed had they finished it and won oh, that yeah. game. They're seven and five. Especially the way that they did. If they could have continued that, we didn't yeah. just beat Utah. There was nothing fluky about this. We right. beat those right. guys. Yeah. The guys that are going to the Pac-12 championship. But now, of course, is with all rivalry games, 
<laughs> in recent history. What can go wrong does go wrong for BYU. Well, what do we stand? Where does BYU stand right now? Um, what can we look at right now as far as recruiting goes? Well, what kind of class are they having? What kind of people have committed? Who do we expect to sign in December? Will there be an injection of maybe a, a JC running back or somebody in the coming weeks? Uh, you got a handle on this, Brandon. Speak. That they have some junior college guys that are looking at, but no one that I, I think, yeah, they're going to get this guy. Um, it, it's kind of down to, okay, they offer this guy. So hopefully no one else offers him and we can get this kid in. You know, I, I think December, early December signing period really helps with that for BYU because I think they've been really proactive with the junior college guys where maybe other programs are not. We'll see. There, there's a kid named Brandon Pierce who's kind of the new receiver. He's from uh, College of the Canyons. Uh, running back, there's no name that I'm, I'm that's even there that's like, they're honed in on this guy. So I well, well with the new NCA rules of seniors saying that they are you know are transferring and they can put themselves in that uh, NCA database and that is there any like some transfers that are leaving some programs that aren't criminals that other people pick up it seems to be or is there uh, anybody that is a senior that's graduating that can say you know I want to go and is there anybody like that on the horizon? No, no one I, I I've heard of they could really use a Jordan Leslie holy cow they could, yeah. they could use a guy like that um, the frustrating thing and it's, it's been frustrating for as many years as I've covered BYU recruiting is their best recruits are guys you are not going to see for three or four years because of missions I mean Trace Roberts is as good as any receiver I've seen in the state not named Puka Nakua who ironically played the same year but this kid is amazing I, if you watch the five A championship, he had I, he had fifteen catches for for two hundred fifty yards. He had just just an amazing talent. But it's going on a mission. Have to wait. Jacob Conover. Have to wait. <laughs> a lot of these guys, and so so it, it, it's kind of tough just just pinpointing an immediate impact guy. I, maybe he won't go on. I think he will. But I, if I be what you coach, is maybe you <clears throat> tell the kid we really need an impact on the outside immediately because they do. There's not a lot of talent there. Gunnar Romney did not progress like we thought we would. Of course, he had tons of injury issues. That was the big issue with him. But really, who do you pin the outside position on going into next year? You need help in that position. That's pretty much the only offensive position. A running back, I think, is going to be fine with Lopini Katoa. And also, I kind of want to mention this in the last segment. If I was going to ask you guys what's going to be the strength of the BYU defense coming back next year, you might say defensive back. The defensive back. Thing. Yeah, those corners, those young corners played Utah's receivers as well as I've seen them do in the last 10 years. They've been good all year, and all those guys are returning. And, and that's the same thing every year. Just keep these guys in the program, which isn't an easy thing when you're talking about BYU cornerbacks. But there's some really good things developing in that secondary, which is going to help the front seven play more loose than most BYU front sevens. Well, there there could be surprises, too. You have Jeff Grimes, who is a native of Dallas, Texas. You have uh, AG, AJ. Uh, Seward, who is from uh, Texas. He grew up in Dallas. Uh, these guys might be able to reach down and bring somebody through at the last minute that might be a surprise or kind of a sleeper. Jeff Call, these recruits could tune in now, I think. It's not guaranteed, not 100%, but we're expecting that BYU will be invited to a bowl game in the next few days, if not over the weekend. Uh, what what does it look like for those bowl projections? Well, if you look at uh, the national prognosticators who study all this stuff all year, I mean, if you were to to boil it down to one maybe common um, place where they think BYU's going to go would be the uh, first responder bowl in Dallas, day after Christmas. 
It's the same bowl that BYU or excuse me Utah played in last year. Oh, I can tell Jeff wants them to go to that bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there were some projections that had you know BYU going to the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, playing a uh, Power Five team, the Cheese It Bowl down in Phoenix. Uh, so there are some other options, but it's going to be really interesting because. Um, Obviously, BYU, with its tie to ESPN, ESPN owns 13 bowl games. I think 35 of the 40 bowl games that are televised are televised on ESPN. So it would make sense that ESPN will do everything it can to get BYU slotted and slotted in a good position. I I might mention that uh, Ben Criddle uh, on his uh, radio show had an ESPN uh, person on there, and he he said that ESPN owes them a game, that they're going to get them a game, and they're part of that family. Yeah, it would make sense. I mean... There are, I think, four teams with that are bowl eligible that are going to get squeezed out. And I don't see one of those teams being BYU. I think they're going to do everything they can to get them into a bowl game. You know, we have a great opportunity right now to talk to one of our sponsors. We have the president of the uh, Salt Lake Stallions, Tyler Howell, here in our studios at Thanksgiving Point. And, Tyler, welcome to our podcast. We appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. You know, you've got a lot of things on your agenda, even tonight, right? Yeah, we've, we're moving. We've got 74 days before our opening game. We play the first week after the Super Bowl. So uh, that's the beauty of it is that football is going to keep going this year. How has it been received here in Salt Lake City? It's been good. We've had to get the attention out, and once people learn who we are and they realize that it's 11-on-11, we're not arena, it's real football, played the way it's supposed to be played. We'll be up at Rice-Eccles Stadium, a place you guys know a little bit, and we'll be there uh, starting the week after Super Bowl. Our first home game's February 23rd, and then tonight um, we're doing our quarterback draft. And so it's a little bit unique that as we're starting our league, we have a chance to draft the quarterback, see who we're going to be leading our team for the next season. So how does your draft work? How do you get players? How do you collect the roster? How do you put it together? Is there drafts? Is there free agents? Are they just going out to see who can sign? Or is there a priority to the, to the league and what they want to have you do as far as gathering the team? Yeah, a few months ago they held several tryouts uh, and were able to sign or had over a thousand people come in. We've signed over 600 players as a league and the cool thing the way they've got it set up is that uh, you've got a geographic alignment and so if it's a local player then we get the first rights to them. The only exception to that is the quarterback because that's such an important position. We want to make sure that that's truly balanced throughout the league and so that's the purpose of tonight is that uh, there were about 50 quarterbacks signed and we'll go through and draft them uh, in tonight's program. Tyler, I know our listeners would love to know what uh, guys with BYU ties will be playing for the Stallions this year. Can you kind of give us a rundown on who they are and who can expect to see? Yeah, the two main guys we've got are Tooney Kanuch. I hope I'm saying that right. And then uh, the other one is Handsome, and I'm not even going to try to say his last name because with a name like Handsome, you don't need a last name. <laughs> <laughs> two big uh, tackles for me. Yeah. yeah, a couple big linemen, and that's hopefully anchoring our team for the for our offense. Well, tell us a little bit about your schedule and kind of what uh, what fans would have to look forward to as far as home games and maybe even traveling away and how far away would they need to go for a couple of these games. Yeah, there's eight teams in the league. Our season opens on February 10th. We'll be traveling down to Arizona, play the Hot Shots, 
and then the 23rd we open against the Hot Shots as well. Uh, we've got a game in between where we're in Birmingham. Uh, we have five total home games, and they're all on Saturday nights with the exception of our last game, and that'll be a Friday night battle uh, on March 12th, or April 12th, excuse me. Now, I first met uh, your head coach, Dennis Erickson, when he was the coach at the University of Wyoming, and he has been all over this country from the West Coast to the down in Miami and all over. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got him to agree to coach this uh, and take this opportunity and then other members of his staff? Yeah, we were really lucky to get Dennis, and that really comes down to our GM's Randy Mueller, who has been in the NFL for several years. He's with the Saints um, and then with the Seahawks. And Dennis actually was the coach for Randy when he was up with the Seahawks. So Randy is excited to be part of this league and had a conversation with Dennis. From what I understand, it didn't take long, and Dennis is anxious to go and excited to really be in year one of this and to build the thing from the ground up. There you have it. Tyler Howell, president of the Salt Lake Stallions. We invite you to um, to buy tickets, to inspect this opportunity to see football in February. And where can you get tickets? Where quick can they call? Go to saltlakestallions.com. Go online. It's the best place to do it. We've got season tickets on sale now. Tyler Howell, thanks for being with us on this uh, part of our podcast today. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Our final word, gentlemen. Let's go around the horn here and talk a little bit. Uh, we ought to maybe bring up basketball. Both of you have seen this team play. Um, I seen bring them up compete. volleyball, though. Volleyball? We could talk about talk that, too. Okay. Why don't you go start off with volleyball? Right. It comes up this Friday. Yeah. BYU in the Final Four. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to cover this. I, this volleyball team has been phenomenal all year. There's some adversity going into the tournament. They lost their last match of the year. McKinnon Miller, which is the, their second best uh, hit outside hitter, uh, torn ACL and all that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team rebounds, but they basically get to play home matches so long as they keep winning up until the Final Four, which is a big thing. Because you, you talk about the altitude, the the atmosphere at the Smith Fieldhouse, it's going to be a big thing for these girls. So it starts Friday. And man, if you want to cover a BYU team that absolutely has a legitimate shot at a national championship, this is your team. Exciting times for those guys. Uh, I know they've worked hard and they've, they are really talented and they're, they're very deep. And uh, Jeff, call basketball. <clears throat> Are they going to be able to hit three pointers by the time uh, conference play starts? That, that's you know that's the fifty thousand dollar question. It's the question we've been asking for quite a while. And as it stands right now, BYU is I think number three hundred nine nationally in three point shooting. T.J. Haas and Yoli Childs I've need help. Church, yeah, I've they seen need help. Teams that hit better than that. Yeah, well, I went to my son's uh, junior jazz game and I saw kids hitting threes. I'm going, why don't we see this with BYU? But um, yeah, that's obviously got to turn around. But this is a really critical stretch for BYU, for BYU right now because they've got Illinois State this week. They play at Weber. They start off a stretch of three straight in-state games, Weber State, Utah State, and Utah coming up. And lo and behold, next week, Nick Emery is eligible to begin playing. So he will add an element. And, you know, talking about three-point shooting, I mean, that's, that's what he does. And we'll see if he can uh, do something to – to help that, I mean, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how Dave Rose uses him, um, you know, into the rotation, how much he plays, all that stuff. I mean, he hasn't played in a long time, um, at least in a competitive game like this. So it's going to be interesting to see how he, how quickly he can make an impact. My rule would be if he hits four three pointers in his first game, then he's starting. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd like to hear from you through email at uh, cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download our podcasts wherever you find them, where you can get them. We're working on delivering you the most up-to-date information on BYU Sports. We'd love to have you join us. Be sure to join us next week on this Cougar Insider Podcast. 